the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. My little Valentine, sweet coming Valentine, you make me smile. With my heart Your looks are laughable Unphotographable Yet You're my favorite work of Oh, now is your figure is it less than Greek? Is your mouth a little weak when? Thank you. 
everybody this is the Tom Sumner program and uh, we're going to shift gears and talk about something a little different uh, advances in treatment options for prostate condition um, that affects more than uh, half of men age 50 and over and significantly more as as men get older than that um, my guest this hour is a urologist at Northwestern Memorial Hospital in Chicago. She is also a professor of urology at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, and she joins me by phone, Dr. Amy Crambeck. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, let's put this in context a little bit. What exactly is the prostate and its function, and why does it seem to almost universally go bad at a certain age? Well, so the prostate is really utilized for reproductive purposes. Um, Its function is to to liquefy the semen, to give the the sperm something to swim in. 
um, for reproduction. As men get older, that purpose decreases. It's much like the woman's uterus. You know, we use the uterus for reproductive years, and then when we get older, it causes problems. Um, But with men, the prostate grows every year of their life, much like, you know, if you look at pictures of yourself, you can see that your nose and your ears were smaller 10 years ago than they are now. (laughs) Same thing happens with the prostate. (laughs) It just gets bigger and bigger. I was going to say my belly fits into that category, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah so most parts of our body just seems to enlarge as we get older so um but as the prostate enlarges it causes uh, constriction on the urethra which is the tube you urinate through and it's uh, like kinking the garden hose you know a a little bit of a kink you don't really notice but as you kink it more and more it gets more and more difficult for the the water to come out it gets more and more difficult for urine to come out as the prostate enlarges then um now i was reading that this is typically addressed with uh medication but there are some surgical procedures and and there are some new surgical procedures that you've been involved with and i want to talk about those but what um what are the the medications and and uh how do those applications how how well do they work yeah so so treatment for enlarged prostate or what we call benign prostatic hyperplasia or bph there's a lot of terms for it um, it, we usually approach it in a stepwise measure. So most people start with medications. Now, the, the medications, um, there's, there's three forms. One would be alpha blockers. Alpha blockers were routinely high blood pressure medication, but they also found that they helped people urinate by causing the prostate muscles to, to contract and open up the channel a little bit. Most people don't know that there's tiny little muscular fibers within the prostate um, that you can actually contract and open up the channel and make it easier to urinate. So alpha blockers work very quickly, and they're usually quite successful uh, in men who have early, minimal, or mild symptoms. Another area of medication is uh, what we call 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. And what those do is they alter the hormones uh, in the prostate. So the prostate feeds off of testosterone or form a testosterone called dihydrotestosterone, and that was, that's what causes it to grow. Um, these medications block the formation of dihydrotestosterone, so the prostate progressively shrinks over nine months to a year. Um, you know, I, I generally don't prescribe those medications that often because they are um, associated with some potential side effects. So usually reserve those for men that generally are not surgical candidates. And then the other class of medication is, um, uh, you know, erectile dysfunction medications. So these medications improve blood flow to the uh, prostate when taken on a daily basis, basis like psilocybin, um, at really small doses. And that has been shown to have a minimal improvement in men with very mild symptoms. More about prostate conditions and treatments with urologist Amy Crambeck, MD. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about prostate conditions and treatments with urologist Amy Crambeck, MD, straight ahead. Now, you suggested that that sometimes this is a step-by-step process, starting with medications and then going on to, to surgery. Is, is that the case, or is there a determination made whether medication or surgery is the preferred course of action? Well, the natural course for most men is to start with medicine, and then they either don't tolerate it or it doesn't work well, and then they move on to surgery. But there's another whole group of men that, that really just present late they show up unable to urinate or they have kidney damage from their enlarged prostate because they've been unable to urinate for a long time and have ignored the symptoms Um, or they have blood in the urine or or other issues that are far advanced beyond just going to the bathroom more often. And those men would go most likely straight to surgery and skip medication. Is is that brought on because men... And and I I hate to generalize too much, but typically men are thought of as not going to the doctor often enough and not paying attention to symptoms, waiting too long to get treatment. Um, how does that impact um, the the possible positive outcomes of treatment? Yeah. So. You know, I it's it's always easy to blame the patient. <laughs> they say, oh, he didn't go to the doctor. But in reality, as the longer I do this, the, the more I think there, there's really two pathways when it comes to enlarged prostate. There's kind of the silent pathway, and maybe these people do uh, ignore their symptoms. Maybe they don't. But they, they really just seem to present later. They, they present with more severe disease. They present later. Um, you know, they can't urinate, they, they um, maybe had symptoms, but they didn't really bother them that much, and then they just get to a point where they can't urinate. Um, and that's one pathway. And the other pathway are men who just are so irritated with their prostate. Um, their bladder is irritated. They're going to the bathroom every 15, 10 minutes. They've totally changed their life to handle these symptoms, and they present much earlier. So it seems like the more bothersome the symptoms are, the more irritative, the earlier they're going to present. Now, some of the surgery treatment options, it really does depend on when you present. Um, you, you know, once your bladder gives out, many of these options don't work as well. Um, the surgical procedure that I offer called HOLUP, which is Holmium Laser Enucleation of the Prostate, we call it HOLUP for short, uh, what it does is it peels out the inside of the prostate, like peeling out an orange, and opens up the channel extremely wide. And with this procedure, it doesn't really seem to matter um, if if you presented late or presented early. Um, you can still get an excellent result, which is what makes it such a favorable procedure. When considering prostate condition, are there... Are there risk factors that exacerbate uh, the problem beyond aging? Yeah. Well, we know that genetics have a lot to do with it. So if your dad 
an enlarged prostate or your brother has an enlarged prostate, then odds are you're going to be dealing with these symptoms as well. So we know that. Um, some interesting epidemiologic studies have shown that taller men have bigger prostates. Um, so it's, it's just kind of an interesting, quirky fact. So a lot of the men who show up in my clinic with really large prostates frequently are quite tall, you know, six foot plus. Um, other things that can do this, um, not necessarily make your prostate grow bigger, but can make your symptoms much worse are, you know, alcohol intake. Alcohol is a, a often an inciting factor that will cause someone to be unable to urinate. Cold medications, especially decongestants, that actually causes your prostate um, to swell and can make it very difficult for you to urinate. Um, and then large amounts of caffeine when you normally don't take those in. So pulling an all-nighter and you drink a pot of coffee, that can also tip someone over the edge to where they're unable to urinate. So it doesn't necessarily cause it, but can definitely make a bad situation worse. I, I think that's the first time I've ever heard someone say that uh, alcohol consumption would make you go less. I always associate it with having to go more. <laughs> well, well, actually what happens is alcohol is a diuretic. Okay. So you're going to make this really large amount of urine um, very quickly. And what it does is your bladder muscle is already fatigued because it's working against this really enlarged prostate. So it's working overtime. And then you overload the system with all this extra urine and the bladder just can't handle it, and it, it just stops being able to function. Um, so it's, it's not uncommon that I'll see men that you know, went to a wedding or went to a concert, they drank when they normally don't, and now they have a catheter in because they can't urinate. <clears throat> so that, that seems to be a, a common story I hear, um, that it just kind of tipped them over the edge. Is... Um now, prostate examination is is something that is done what during a, a typical uh, annual physical. Yes, so you know prostate cancer screening, which is its own entity, um, is frequently done, usually starting at the age of forty five or fifty, depending on your risk factors, and that would involve a blood test called a PSA and a rectal exam, um, and that is usually done yearly. When you do that, you get a feel of the prostate. You understand how large the prostate is, and oftentimes your physician will talk to you about urinary symptoms. You know, are you going more often? Are you having difficulty? Are you getting up at night? That's when we first start to catch uh, the symptoms of enlarged prostate. And and what, um, how, how do you know if, if a, a person that's starting to develop a prostate condition is a likely candidate for surgery, or is that something that isn't even explored until medication treatments have been exhausted? Well, you, you know, intuitively you would think, well, you start with medication, then you think about surgery, but that yeah. you absolutely don't have to do it that way. Some people are highly opposed to medication and um, are not interested in taking it or they experience a lot of side effects, so they would rather just go straight to surgery. Most of the time, if you're considering surgery, 
you'll be referred to a urologist, and that would be someone like me. We specialize in the kidneys, ureter, bladder, prostate, um, and we do surgical procedures on those organs. Um, and we would most likely do a flow test to see how well you're, you're, you urinate. So you urinate in a fancy toilet. We measure how fast that comes out. And then we would do an ultrasound of your bladder to see what's left behind. We might ask you to fill out several standardized questionnaires so that we can assign a value to your symptoms. These questionnaires are called like the AUA symptom score or the IPSS score. Um, we might ask you to do that. Uh, we may want to do a cystoscopy, which is a lot like a colonoscopy, but it's for the urinary tract. And we put a tiny scope in the urethra and bladder, take a look to see, um, you know, what is causing blockage, if there's anything wrong with the bladder or the, the urinary tract. Um, and then we may want some imaging. We, we may want to get a CT scan or an MRI or an ultrasound just to do a measurement of your prostate. Um, so usually once you get to a urologist, we'll do a few more tests. But the workups, although what I just described sounds quite extensive, it's actually a very quick workup and usually can be done in one visit. Amy, this is a little bit off the off the track, but um, I, I'm just curious, what attracted you to specialize in urology? Um, so I actually was planning to be a general surgeon. So I grew up on a farm. Um, you know, I liked working with my hands. I wanted to go into vet, to be a vet, but my dad encouraged me to go into medicine. Um, so in medical school, I really liked surgery. I was planning to do general surgery, but to get more uh, practice and exposure, I did a rotation with urology, and I just loved the urologists. They were such nice people. They enjoyed their job. Uh, they they really had a lot of fun at work, and the, the surgeries that they performed were so interesting. So I switched my um, focus to urology, and I'm very happy that I did that. That's that's fascinating because usually when I ask someone a question like that, Amy, it, there's there's some family history or you know a, a parent that was <laughs> lost or you, you know something, but but just the idea that. Uh, you did a rotation in urology, and the people were nice. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. Um, they really, it really was just that. They were just extremely nice and fun. So. Well, that's that's great. Um, I, I mentioned that there are advances in treatment options, and you touched on it sort of parenthetically. I think it was, uh, was it Holep? Is that the? Holep, yes. Holep. Um Mm-hmm. And and this is an outpatient procedure, and and it wasn't always an outpatient procedure. How has uh, surgery evolved with regard to prostate? Yes. So hole up was originally reserved for extremely large prostate. So. The normal prostate is around 20 grams. So imagine a walnut, per se. But as it starts to enlarge, it can get extremely large in some men, like larger than a grapefruit. So, you know, about the size of the human heart, it can get extremely large. And those patients have had very little treatment options for them because it is uh, very difficult to treat that big of a prostate. Um, but HOLIC was developed 
uh, as a minimally invasive treatment option for these very large prostates. It used to be men would have to spend at least one night, maybe two nights in the hospital after surgery and have a catheter uh, in their bladder to, to control bleeding and that sort of thing. Now, fast forward, you know, 20 years, and the laser technology has improved so much that we really don't experience significant bleeding. Um, over 85% of men can have their, these massive large prostates treated and go home the same day. We often will take their catheter out within one to two hours after surgery. So they come in for surgery, we do the procedure, open up their prostate, watch them an hour or two, let them urinate and go home. So it's, it's really transformed the treatment options for men with these massive prostates. And, and in that outpatient um, scenario, uh, then is there much recovery time in the wake of that uh, procedure? Yeah. So we ask men to not do anything strenuous for one week. So you can, you'll feel well, you might be tired for a day or two, but you'll feel like doing more, but, but really ask them not to, uh, because we don't want that those delicate blood vessels to start bleeding. So no exercising for one week. At the end of a week, if they're not having a significant amount of blood in the urine and they feel well, then they can do about half of their normal exercising. And then at the end of two weeks, they can go back to all their normal exercising. Um, the only thing I ask them to not do for a month is ride a bicycle because bicycles are quite um, traumatic on the prostate. Yeah, I, I'm avoiding any any jokes about that. Um, <laughs> the, um, in this, um, is there are there behaviors or regiments that that men can do to ward off problems? And and I'm thinking of certain diet, exercise. Uh, um, you know, are there things that people can do to um, minimize the risk? Yeah. So the prostate's going to grow if it's going to grow. So there's nothing you can do with your diet that is going to prevent enlargement. However, there are things you can do to help with the symptoms of it. So, of course, exercise and weight loss helps to relieve uh, strain on your bladder and irritation. Um, so obesity is very difficult on your bladder um, and can cause a lot of bladder irritability and even urinary incontinence if you're if you're really obese, so leakage of urine. So losing weight and exercising always helps. Also, a lot of things in our diet can be very irritating to the bladder, like caffeine, artificial sweeteners, carbonated beverages, alcohol. All of those items really irritate the bladder. So by limiting those items, you can decrease your symptoms significantly, even without medication. And um, now there's, it's expected that more than half of men age 50 and over will experience uh, um, some uh, prostate difficulty? Yes, so... 
I'm I'm not the best with numbers, but I can always remember these numbers. So it's it's about 50% of men by the age of 50 have symptoms from an enlarged prostate and you know are altering their life to address it and it's 80% of men by the age of 80. So it grows you know the the issue gets more and more pronounced as you get older. Um, and most men eventually are on at least a medication for their prostate, if not having had surgery. And what I think is so interesting is that many men won't talk about it. So their brother may have had a surgery, but they don't know about it, um, or their neighbor or their friend. It's just unlike women who often will discuss and talk about their symptoms, men seem to not do that. With Men over 80, um, because it's such a high likelihood that they're going to have prostate difficulty, um, is is surgery more risky with men that age? Well, I, I think if you're just comparing, you know, surgery to an 80-year-old an to a 50-year-old in general, I think, you know, the risk of anesthesia and so on is, is higher. But like with hold-up, it's such a minimally invasive surgery and the procedure is so fast that, you know, it can be, it can be performed on men who are actively taking anticoagulation or blood thinners for their heart. Really? Um, it's usually an Yes. So if, if you are on Coumadin or Plavix or Zeralto or, you know, any of the, the various medications and you can't stop it, we can still do the surgery. It's one of the few procedures that is approved in that setting um, because it, there's such little bleeding. So I would say I wouldn't go into it thinking, oh, I'm too sick. I can't have this treated or it will be too risky. Because the reality of it is, is that these surgeries go extremely well if you have the right surgeon and you have the right procedure and you could have a successful outcome and have a very uh, pleasant life and not have to deal with these symptoms. Now, did I read, um, Amy, that you were the first, uh, the, the first surgeon in, uh, in Chicago at Northwestern to um, perform hold-up? Yeah, so um, I was in practice in Indianapolis, and um, about 60% of my patients were coming from the state of Illinois, um, from Chicago and so on, and um, Northwestern reached out to me and said, you know, we're sending our patients down to you for surgery. You should come here. So um, in January of 2021, I started at Northwestern, and in that first year, I did, you know, 470 pull-up surgeries um, because I was the only person in Chicago doing it. Is it still, um, is it unusual in a, in a community around the country to find um, surgeons that are doing this procedure? It's not as uncommon as it used to be. So um, it used to be quite a novelty, but, you know, people like me have trained fellows and then my fellows have gone on to train other people. So it's becoming more and more pronounced. And most of the major medical centers will have someone doing hold-ups. 
it's not as common in private practice, but it's common at the, the university setting or, or big medical centers. They'll have someone doing this surgery. And I think in the next 10 years, it'll be extremely common across the United States. Um, my guest is uh, Dr. Amy Crambeck from uh, Northwestern Memorial Hospital, where she is a urologist. She is also professor of urology at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. Amy, um, I, first I want to thank you for spending uh, your time and expertise with me and the listeners, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, is, is there a, a website or are there some good resources for people to explore this issue? Yes. So uh, there are two websites I would suggest. Um, the first would be the Northwestern rep website at www.nm.org backslash urology. And then I have a personal website uh, that discusses these issues as well. It's www.drcrambeck.com. Well, Amy, thank you so much, and keep up the good work. All right. Well, thank you for having me today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Take care. Amy uh, Crambeck is uh, an MD, a urologist at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. She's professor of urology at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, and um, she was the first surgeon in Chicago to perform uh, this this new minimally invasive procedure to treat prostate called HOLEP. We're going to have more of the Tom Sumner program straight <laughs> Stay inside with me You might just say 
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them, also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people, and it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! 
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. <laughs> The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson rises in sympathetic anguish at 2 o'clock in the morning as poor husband John, victim of contagious insomnia, or Schmoe's disease, broadcasts the telltale symptoms during the crucial stage of the dread ailment. Let's listen. It doesn't sound human. He's got it worked out in a regular pattern. (laughs) Now he'll get amused. Oh, oh no, John, John! Hmm? What? Why aren't you laughing, John? John, wake up! You should be giggling and you're crying. What's the matter with you? What's What's the matter, Blanche? You're not snoring like you usually do. Hmm? I was just getting used to your whining and giggling, but now you start crying and it throws me off completely. What are you talking about? You've got to stop it, John. I've never been so sick in all my life and you won't let me get a minute's sleep. I don't feel well. What hurts you, Blanche? Everything hurts me. Call Dr. Marvin. You don't need Dr. Marvin. I'll take care of you. Tell me where it hurts. It's those clams we had tonight. I didn't want to eat them, but you kept insisting. You kept telling me that clams are healthy. What clams are healthy? They are not. They are too. Did you ever hear one complain? I ate more than you did and I feel perfectly horrible. I mean, fine. Where does it hurt you? I think I'm poisoned. My whole body aches and I've got a terrible shooting pain between my shoulder blades. Well, lie still and I'll fry you some cucumbers and hot root beer. Fried cucumbers and hot root beer? Make a new man of you. You just want to finish me off, that's all. Oh, Blanche, I'm only going to make a poultice out of it. It draws out the pain. It's a new medical discovery. What's the matter with an old-fashioned mustard plaster? Okay, I'll fix you an old-fashioned mustard plaster. Where's the bourbon? Bourbon? What's that for? To soak the mustard plaster. John Bickerson. Don't worry, I'll scrape the mustard off first. Where's the bottle? I'm not going to stick any bourbon-soaked plaster on my back. You don't stick it on your back. You hold it over your mouth and squeeze it. Put on the lights. I will not. I don't want you to touch me. I'll bet you're not sick at all. You just thought this pain up to keep me awake. Why don't you leave me alone? I can just hear you saying that to Gloria Goosby. Why should I say that to Gloria Goosby? Why, indeed. If you were married to Gloria Goosby, she wouldn't stand for any of your nonsense. Well, I'm not married to her, and she stands for a lot more of my nonsense than you do. What do I care what she stands for? I despise Gloria Goosby, and you know it. Then why does she keep staring at you like she's hypnotized? She doesn't stare. It's just that she wears those outlandish dresses, and they bring out her eyes. They bring out yours, too. Now look, Blanche, let's make a pact never to mention that woman's name again as long as we live. Well, I keep thinking there's something between you. I swear, I don't even know she's alive. She doesn't mean more to you than I do? She means even less to me than you do. I don't like the way that sounded. Well, don't go looking for hidden meanings. Now, if you're really sick, I'll do anything you want to make you feel better. But if you feel okay, all I ask is that you let me have a few hours sleep. I did have a little headache before, but now I've lost it. It isn't lost. I've got it. 
Every morning when I go to work, I'm bleary-eyed and I stumble around the office in a stupor. I don't know how much longer my boss is going to stand for. Why do you stumble around, John? Well, because I don't get enough sleep. I'm completely debilitated. Why, only last week I failed to pass the insurance examination. Was it the same examination you had before? Well, certainly. Then why didn't you copy the answers off the old policy? It's not answers they want. They give you a medical checkup, and apparently I'm not such an ideal physical specimen. I think you're wonderful. You've got the nicest legs of any man I've ever seen. I don't think I'm long for this world. Am I responsible for it, John? No. I am, too. I know I am. John, can I talk to you? Sure, go ahead and talk. I've been thinking about how we quarrel all the time, and I'm sure we love each other as much as any other married couple, and I know they must have their little arguments, and maybe more than some, I just... John! You said I could talk to you! Well, am I stopping you? I want you to listen. Okay. I didn't know your health was bad, and I'm worried... Anything happened to you, and I'd blame myself for not taking the proper precautions. You know what I think. What do you think, Blanche? I think you ought to make out a will. Make out a will? I thought you were worried about me. Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercy of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead... Don't talk like that. Can't you say passed on or something like that? Well, you always say drop dead. That's only when I'm talking to your brother Amos. You should be a little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Well, because you make it sound like I'm going to go at any minute. Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. You just told me you couldn't get any more insurance. Oh, I can get all the insurance I want. I don't care. You should make out a will just the same. Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow. You say it, but you won't do it. What? Get up and do it now. Go on, get up, make out a will. Wait, you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses, and in the second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place. Unless you're thinking of that phony stock your thieving brother sold me. What phony stock? Those 500 shares of Kentucky Saltpeter. They're not worth the paper they're written on. Nobody's going to take anything, and I don't need a will. You're the most stubborn man that ever lived, John. Why? Why am I stubborn? It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. There's a woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything except you, okay? Now you've got all my worldly goods. Next thing you know, you get over your grief and marry a guy without a dollar to his name like that broken-down snore specialist, Dr. Marvin. Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody. He'll give up his practice, take you for every penny, my hard-earned money, the little possessions I slaved for. He'll drive my brand-new car, drink my bourbon, loaf around like a prince. John? Why don't you make the bum get a job, Blanche? For heaven's sake, John, Well, why did you start all this talk about Will? Well, I'll tell you. Amos just got a job as a notary public. Amos? And he gets two dollars for every seal he puts on a will. I knew he was at the bottom of it, that cheeseling, grasping... There's nothing wrong with my brother Amos. No? You're just jealous because he thinks up ways to make a living without working. Uh Uh-huh. All it takes is a little brain. Well, nobody's got littler brains than Amos. He's the cause of 90% of our fights. Oh, go to sleep. Ha, 
Go to sleep, she tells me, practically coaxes me into a funeral, gets her brother to steal my will, keeps me up half the night with Gloria, Gooseby, and clams. Now she tells me, go to sleep. I can't sleep. Never sleep another wink as long as... <laughs> Hello, the, the phone's dead. It's, it's leaking. Put down that bottle of bourbon. I'll get the phone. I wonder who's calling at this hour. I can't imagine. Ow, my leg! Oh, put the lights on. The lights are on. Take off my sleep shoes. Oh, hello. Blanche, this is Amos. Oh, what do you want, Amos? Hey, did you talk him into it? No, and I'm not going to try anymore. What are you talking about? Everybody's got to have a will. I drew mine up today. I left everything I have in the world to Jekyll. John. Huh? Amos said he drew up his will today and left everything he has in the world to you. Tell him I don't want her. Amos, John says he's very pleased. Fine. And you know, one good turn deserves another. Sure. I'll talk to him tomorrow. It's very important to have a will, Blanche. There's a big case going on right now. All the relatives are fighting over the dough because the rich old lady didn't file a will. Really? Yeah. She had $100,000 in cash and hid it in the bustle of her wedding dress. Hey, tell Jocko. John. Yeah? An old lady died, and they found $100,000 in her bustle. That's a lot of money to leave behind. He says that's a... Never mind. I heard him. I'll bring my notary seal around tomorrow, Blanche. You better wait until I call you. Good night, Amos. Oh, dear. John. John! Mm -hmm. I've got that shooting pain between my shoulder blades again. Oh? Let's have a look. Right right here. It must be arthritis or neuralgia. It hits me like a like a knife. What is it, John? It's it's the price tag on your nightgown. Here. Oh, no wonder my back was hurting. Holy smokes, forty-eight fifty? Is that what that nightgown costs? Yes, I just bought it this morning. Ah. What's the matter, John? Now my back is hurting. Good night, Blanche. Good night, John. So
Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh yeah Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 